Hi, I'm Rach. And I'm Sue. And this is the Georgia Hair Podcast. And today we're going to be talking about the talisman ring. Hey, Rach. How are you? Hey. I'm good, thank you. Yeah. What have you been up to? Well, I've had my hair cut because now we're allowed to. I can see. Um, You're looking tray chic, Rachel. Thank you very much. It's a little French bob, maybe in honour of Eustacey. It, absolutely. Not, I mean, she wouldn't have had a bob, but she's French. Yep. Was it nice just um, to be out in the world, having your hair touched? It was nice. It was nice to do something. I mean, it was just nice to not be with a kid, to be honest. But um, <laughs> felt like a an hour of, uh, yes, alone time bliss. Um, but... Uh, yeah, it was nice to be nice to be doing normal things, and we, you know, we're allowed to go out and outside now, aren't we? And have um, outside dining and see friends outside. Drinks yeah. in the rain, yeah. Drinks in the rain, yeah. <laughs> our our weather is not suited to oh, yeah. outside fun, but um, that's yeah. So it's been very nice to sort of start to get back to normal. Well, you know what outside fun I had today. Tell um, me. We went to Ikea and we impulse bought. Ugh. Yeah, it was tough. We impulse bought. Uh, ate... Don't get me wrong. I love Ikea. I just yeah. not going to Ikea. Well, <laughs> we went last week and didn't even get out of the car because the queue to get in was so long. We just thought, no, no, no. Yeah. But this time, you know, it's a Wednesday, so we got away with it. Um, but we impulse bought a eight foot dining table. Um, <laughs> we had to... <laughs> We spent a long time in the car park working out how to get it into our car. (laughs) And it was raining. (laughs) It was fine. We managed it. It's so big. I want I want us to to both eat at it either end in very grand style. Possibly with an epinier in the middle. Oh yeah. What book is that? I can't remember. Epinier. The quiet the quiet gentleman. Mm. Yeah, anyway. Mm Yeah, so that's that might be what you can. I mean, where do you get an epinier these days? I, I think I think you'd be hard. Not hard in IKEA. To... <laughs> Don't know. They do quite a lot. <laughs> um, oh, did it test your marriage then? That uh, that is the, the car. <laughs> you know what? Incident. <laughs> no, because that is his strong point. I just left him to it. He was great. Halfway through, I felt like we'd been there for about six hours, and I was going to break, but. I had packed a little, you know, club orange bar. And that's what I needed. I needed a little sugar hit. And then I was back on my feet and ready to go. You do need to keep your blood sugars up, don't you? You can't, you do have a tendency to get hangry. Oh yeah, no, I'm awful. I'm appalling. Anyway. Uh, Well, good. Anyway, very sensible to pack it, to pack a, (laughs) to be packing. Shall we start with a summary about the talisman ring? I've got one. Go for it. Okay. So it's 1793. We know this because it's mentioned that Louis XVI has just been sent to the guillotine. So we're in the Georgian era. Um, Lord Lavenham, or Sylvester, is on his deathbed at Lavenham Court. uh, And his family gathers around. Apart from his heir, who's Ludovic. Um, So Ludovic had to flee the country because he was accused of having murdered a neighbour. Um, but what, who we do have in attendance is 
Sylvester's French granddaughter used to see. The um the ever so suave Basil Lavenham, who's next in line after Ludovic. He's sometimes known as Beau Lavenham. And then there's Sir Tristram. Sir Tristram, I'm going to struggle with this throughout. Yeah. I apologise in advance. Sir Tristram <laughs> Shield, his nephew, and I would say the hero of our story. Yeah, it, yeah, it's interesting who the hero is of this, isn't it? But mm. yeah, let's let's um, let's go well, with that. Just so you know, I'm going to say you, Stacey, because that's that's how I Stacey. heard it on the audio book. Oh, yeah, that's better. I, I don't know whether I'm right. Mm, it's going to be one of those. Okay. Anyway, uh, that's okay. Different pronunciations, isn't there? So yeah, what I like about this book, first off, is it's got a bit of a famous five feel. Mm. There are smugglers. Yeah. There's trying to find a secret priest's hole and there's there's a gang you know it's it's not just a two-hander you know you've got you've got yeah. all four you've got miss you know, sarah thane yeah ludovic eustacey and tristram because i was thinking a bit about this about what category of what genre this book mm-hmm. is because it's not i mean it obviously there's romance in it mm-hmm. and there's nice and there's nice romance in it oh yeah but it's not really um mm. a romance is it not really a, a straight romance and it's not really like a murder mystery because you sort of know fairly early on who done it don't yeah. you yeah um you know of the book but it is like a it's an adventure book isn't it yeah mm. you're right like sort of famous five adventure book and I, it, it's um a bit different to um her usual books and i i really enjoyed that i think it starts off strong as well because it's got that um chase scene you used to see early on flees to become a governess rather than marry the 31 year old Sir Tristram who has no conversation <laughs> um, and falls in with not smugglers what are we calling them free traders free traders free traders um, and then she goes galloping across the countryside ventre à um, which I think just means at full tilt yeah it means belly to the ground oh is that the literal translation that's ventre à terre love it i think so yeah want to yeah i believe so it, it just means it's going fast isn't it okay yeah well, they're just like crawling on your front around the floor well no i think because if a horse is going fast <laughs> his belly is not on the floor his belly's closer to the ground closer <laughs> to the ground than he would if he was trotting let's say okay i like that neither <laughs> of us know anything about horses it's french all right don't <laughs> <laughs> don't be too literal So, I mean, that, that is a very romantic start, an adventurous start mm. to the story, isn't it? It's a nighttime yeah. chase scene. And yeah. Someone shot and, Ludovic shot. Yeah, and it's it's um it it's it's good, isn't it? Because it's the it's the adventure she wants, but it all gets mm. a bit <laughs> much for her, doesn't it? Um yeah, yeah, actually she seems to enjoy the adventure less than Sarah Thane. Yeah. Who just yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, so shall we let's go back a little bit actually because we've probably just jumped in a little bit too willy nilly there um, in the absence of Ludovic uh, Sylvester before he dies wants used to see his granddaughter to be taken care of by a marriage with Sir Tristram um, and we learn that Sir Tristram has perhaps had some sort of disappointment in his youth and is a little bit jaded about the idea of women and marriage um so he's willing to have a marriage of convenience if it 
you know, I think his view seems to be, if not her, it'll be someone else. Um, she yeah. understands that she's in a vulnerable position and uh, could do with a husband. And she's French, so she understands marriages of convenience. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah, she's when she talks about marriage, it's very practical, isn't it? Um, but she does yearn for romance and oh, adventure. We and learn. I, I love that about her. She's because she is eighteen. She's just kind of escaped the the revolution, um, and she has these really like morbid fantasies, doesn't yeah. she? Where she dies. Yeah, I, I do. When she, I do really love that scene between early on between her and Tristan about um, when she's sort of describing she's lost I've got <laughs> in it her in. own head. Oh, okay, go on. So I think I think what's happened is that um, so Tristram has just told her that um, she's going to need to go and stay with his mum in Bath for a little while after the funeral and before they can get married. To play backgammon. To play backgammon. Um, and he says to her, well, I suppose you'll have to reconcile yourself to a period of quiet. Quiet? Gust used to see. More quiet? No. And no? And no. He could not help laughing, but said, Is it so terrible? Yes, it is, said Eustace. First I have to live in Sussex, and now I am to go to Bath, to play backgammon. And after that, you will take me to Berkshire, where I expect I shall die. I hope not, said Shield. Yes, but I think I shall, said Eustace, propping her chin in her hands and gazing mournfully into the fire. After all, I have had a very unhappy life without any adventures, and it would not be wonderful if I went into decline. Only nothing that is interesting ever happens to me, she added bitterly. So I dare say I shall just die in childbed, which is a thing anyone could do. Said Tristram, flushed uncomfortably. Really, Eustace, he protested. Eustace was too much absorbed in the contemplation of her dark destiny to pay any heed to him. I shall present to you an heir, she said, and then I shall die. The picture suddenly appealed to her. She continued in a more cheerful tone. Everyone will say that I was very young to die. And they will fetch you from the gaming hell where you... Fetch me from where? Interrupted Sir Tristram, momentarily led away by this flight of imagination. From the gaming hell, repeated Eustace impatiently. Or perhaps the cockpit. It does not signify it is quite unimportant. But I think you will feel great remorse when it is told to you that I am dying. And you will spring up and fling yourself on your horse and ride ventre terre to come to my deathbed. And then I shall forgive you and... What in heaven's name are you talking about? Demanded Sir Tristram. Why should you forgive me? Why should... What is this nonsense? Eustace, thus rudely awakened from her pleasant dream, sighed and abandoned it. It is just what I thought might happen, she explained. Sir Tristram said severely, It seems to me that you indulge your fancy a deal too freely. Let me assure you that I don't frequent gaming hells or cockpits, nor, he added with a flick of humour, am I very much in the habit of flinging myself upon my horses. No, and you do not ride ventre terra. It does not need that you should tell me so. I know. Well, I know the hunting field, said Sir Tristram. Do you think you might if I were on my deathbed? asked Eustace, hopefully. Certainly not. If you're on your deathbed, it's hardly likely that I should be from home. <laughs> not uh, not the best match, are they? No. He is incredibly practical, very straight, mm. um, and doesn't really appreciate this romantic vision. I think it's just hard to get on board with it when you're in your 30s. Although yeah. I guess Miss Thane does, doesn't she? She can, she can yeah. empathise. 
That's right. And I think she's a bit, yeah, she's mm. a bit light of a light, she's a lighter character, isn't she? Yes, definitely. Um, but yeah, all of this causes Eustace to, to flee the flee the home. Um, she ropes in an Abigail or something, doesn't she, to saddle a horse and then she she flees with two band boxes in tow, both of which she loses. Um <laughs> And then, yeah, comes across Ludovic in his role as a free trader. Um, in their escape from the excise men, he's shot. And then they end up, or she takes him, to the Red Lion Inn, run by Nye, where he's uh, he's hidden away until he can recuperate. Yeah. And, and there she meets Sarah Thane. He's yeah. travelling with her brother, Sir Hugh. I love Sir Hugh. He's a good He's such a good character. Yeah. And they um and Sarah obviously sees that um she's a little bit out of her depth yeah. <laughs> and also um yes, wants wants adventure herself a bit and uh, sort of takes her under her wing a bit. I like the fact that she just when she introduces herself, she just says, Yeah, I'm I'm very prying. I wanna know what's going on. I want to be yeah. part of this adventure. What are we gonna do? it's interesting because there's not a lot of character development in this book is there but mm. still they're really enjoyable characters yeah like I think there's not a lot of time for it because there's a lot of other you know we don't none of them really go on journeys as characters or mm-hmm. you know but but they but they're just enjoyable characters because of the difference between them and um yeah and the way they react to the situation they're in yes I, um, before we get on to probably the, the two dominant characters um, mm. let's talk a little bit about Ludovic um, who, who is remarkable in being an awful judge of character like yeah. he, he definitely assumed that Sir Tristram um, was was the person who fitted him up for the murder rather than Basil um, and then he's Basil lays the most obvious trap possible towards the end of the book trying to lure them into the house into the dower house mm-hmm. where they can capture him and he just falls for it he's just he's just got this kind of like amazing level of optimism where he just thinks there's a risk but it'll work out he i mean he doesn't even seem to deny that there's a risk he just thinks mm. it, I, I think he's an absolute trust uh, well denial of his own mortality but there are you know young guys are sometimes like that aren't they so i think it's true yeah it's remarkable he survived really isn't it but um he's he's, he's very I'd, I'd say he's game you know like he'll go in there all guns blazing fists flying he's he obviously inspires loyalty because he's got abel he's got clem he's got nye he's got that group who gets involved in a fight at the end um who all know him love him absolutely have his back so th- there's something really instantly engaging about him and i think obviously used to see falls for that um and actually the way they describe their proposal or their sort of i don't know how they come to an understanding is really nice should we have a look at that bit since he was not allowed to step outside the red lion and dissuaded from wandering about at large in it it was fortunate circumstance that you stacy was staying under the same roof with ludovic her presence beguiled the most tedious hour and her vehement way of saying, but no, Ludovic, you shall not, had the power of restraining him when Miss Thames' reasoned arguments might have failed. 
He taught you, Stacey, how to throw a dice and how to play PK. He told her hair-raising and entirely apocryphal tales of adventure he met with at sea. He teased her, he laughed at her, and ended inevitably by catching her in a sound arm and kissing her. No sooner had he done it, he recollected the impropriety of such conduct. He released her at once and said, rather pale, with the laugh quite vanished from his eyes, I'm sorry, forgive me. Eustacey said earnestly, Oh no, I did not mind at all. Besides, you kissed me before, do you not remember? Oh, that, he said, that was a mere cousinly kiss. And this one not, she said simply. I am glad. He ran his hand through his fair locks. I'm a villain to have kissed you at all. Forget that I did. I had no right I ought to be shot for doing such a thing. That's lovely. I like the fact that, yeah, they're just like hanging out, doing little quiet, quite domestic things with each other, playing cards, throwing dice. Yeah. And it's really sweet that in this, so he's, you know, very happy-go-lucky in other things, but mm. actually he's with Eustacey. There's definitely, he wants to protect her. Mm. He knows that his life is no, you know, it, he hasn't really got very much to offer her in his current mm. circumstance. And actually, you know, he, he feels very gentlemanly about that and he's he is taking this seriously and that's really sweet i like it when just after that they talk about telling tristram and um and they they worry that his reaction is going to be poor um and it says but sir tristram when the news of the betrothal was broken to him did not evince any desire to resort to such violent methods he did not even show much surprise and when ludovic half defiant half contrite said i ought never to have done it i know he merely replied I don't suppose you did do it. <laughs> Eustacey, taking this as a compliment, said cordially, You're quite right, mon cousin. It was I who did it, which was not perhaps comme but entirely necessary on account of Ludovic's humour. Um, so yeah, I like I like that. Like, yeah. So Tristram's like, yeah, I know who's behind this. Yeah. <laughs> I think it sounds like people really struggle to take Basil seriously as a villain because he, he I think they just, when um, Sarah Thane's talking about him before she meets him, she imagines him to be this kind of villainous type with a wolfish smile. And, and they kind of say, no, he's just really normal and just seems quite nice all the time. He does smile a lot. Um, yeah. He's just but, a dandy, isn't he? Yeah. And he's softly spoken. and and But um, I think that's what makes him mm. chilling because it, he he did mm. the murder was premeditated and cold blooded, and mm. you would not guess it from his from his face, like in his behaviour, until the pressure comes on and then he starts cracking and making mistakes. Yeah, but I like that. Like, I like the fact that the 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 four people, our heroes, um, I don't think they've got a really good plan for catching him. It's more luck than anything in the end. Well, yeah, I mean, it, there's a series of, um, yeah, a series of plans that don't don't really work. No. Because it, it's not it's not until they know where the talisman ring is that they mm-hmm. they can really form, yeah, um, a, a plan. One of my favourite, actually, no, yeah, for sure, my favourite bit in this book um, is when they go to, <laughs> they go to the Dow oh. House because Ludwig has said there's a, there's a priest hole there. But he doesn't know exactly how to where it was and how to open it. So Miss Thane goes in there with Eustacey, but she, but 
Sarah's pretending to be a absolutely henwitted, talkative, architectural fan. Um, but before <laughs> they want to take, they want to do some sketches of the wainscoting so they can take it back to Ludovic and show him, so he can say if they're on the right track or not. But she can't draw. Um, so, so yeah, she shows up and she takes with her a sketchbook so that she can draw bits of the bits yeah. of the building and show them to Ludovic when she returns. Um, and she said, by the time she had exhibited her commonplace book in which Sir Tristram had had the forethought to sketch a few rough pictures of totally imaginary horses. I, oh my God. <laughs> At some point, Sir Tristram sat down with a sketchbook and just sketched some horses that he'd never seen. Just like, yeah, I'll do a brown one now, I guess. Uh, maybe maybe I'll do a black <laughs> horse now. I just like that idea. I mean, yeah. I absolutely love Miss Lane's description of what happened then. So um, when they were at the Dower House mm. and they were um, searching for the panel. Yeah. <laughs> and people I just kept that. walking in, didn't they? Yeah, I'm just going to read that bit. Okay. Um, so this is after this. So um, they all go to the Dower House. Um, Sir Tristan joins them there. Um, Eustacey is keeping Basil occupied, says mm -hmm. he, she wants to speak to him. Um, and then they're coming back in the in the carriage together after they've done this so, meanwhile miss dane seated beside you stacy in the sh shade had nothing to report but failure she said that her fingers were sore from pulling pressing wooden bosses and her nervous system was shattered forever no fewer than three interruptions had interruptions had occurred during the short time she and sir tristan had had at their disposal first had come the housekeeper with a bowl of flowers to set upon the table and a tongue only too ready to wag she had hardly been got rid of when the door opened again, and this time to admit the butler who would come to, in to make the fire. And what must he have thought? I dare not imagine, said Miss Dane. I was standing upon a chair at that precise moment, trying to move a wooden pair well above my reach. Eustace <laughs> gave a giggle. What, what did you do? Most unfortunately, said Miss Dane, my back was turned to the door and I had not heard it open. I am bound to confess, however, that your cousin Tristan showed great presence of mind, for he immediately told me to look closely at the carving and to observe that most particularly the top of the chamber of the cross rail. <laughs> I just love this idea that she's, she's just like on a chair, feeling bits of wood, and then she's caught in the act. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just a poor plan. And obviously, uh, all of Basil's servants are reporting back to him um so yeah it's not a surprise that he is not for one second duped by yeah by this whole thing but it's it's almost a good thing that he's not because it mm. it pushes him further and further to do silly things so yeah the, the fact that he knows that they are a guest you know um a guest or suspect him at least mm. does push him to do silly and sillier things True. like go and um well then he gets the the exciseman doesn't it no sorry then he goes to bow street and the bow street runners mm. come mm -hmm. um and, oh, they, and um, they um yeah they sort of lay siege to the inn don't they yeah and then ludovic dresses as a gangly abigail and drops perfume all over the floor miss thane pretends to be ludovic See, that's that's my favorite bit <laughs> when she punches the guy <laughs> yeah and then and then she, they, yeah so then they, that I really, really enjoyed that scene where mm -hmm. 
yeah, she's sneaking out um, of the of the inn dressed dressed as Ludwig, pretending to be a when a, a maid. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a good yeah. job she's tall. She wouldn't have got away with it. Yeah, and then she faints in Sir Tristan's. I love that bit. Let's arms. have a look at that bit. Yeah, because it's a nice example of um, how they sort of tease each other. Mm. So yeah, um, so Trist, um, there's this fracker in the lane where Miss Thane punches um, Jeremiah Stubbs, poor guy, um, and Sir Tristram arrives just in time on horseback because he's quite dashing on occasion. Um, so he brings her back to the inn. Um, Miss Thane, having assured herself that Sir Tristram was close enough to catch her, closed her eyes and sank gracefully back into his arms. Hudson, vinegar, shrieked Eustacey. L'air on the settle, mon cousin. Nye, who had come in from the taproom, said, What? Miss Thane in a swoon? I'll call Sir Hugh this instant, and strode away to the parlour. Sir Tristram carried his fair burden to the settle and laid her down upon it. A glance at her charming complexion was sufficient to allay any alarm he might otherwise have felt, and with his fingers over her steady pulse, he said, I think we should throw water over her, my dear cousin. Cold water. Miss Thane's lips parted a little. A very soft whisper reached Sir Tristram's ear. You dare, breathed Miss Thane. Love it. He's onto yeah. her. And then she tries to get him back by saying that by on question on why she was sneaking out she says that she went to meet him yes. for a <laughs> yeah so it says uh miss thane prompted partly by a spirit of pure mischief and partly by a desire to be revenged on sir tristram for his inhuman suggestion of throwing cold water over her turned her face away and implored her brother not to ask her that question that's all very well objected thane but did you go out by the back door yes said miss thane covering her face with her hands why asked Sir Hugh, faintly puzzled. Oh, said Miss Thane, the very picture of maidenly confusion. Must I tell you indeed? I went to meet Sir Tristram. Eh? said Thane, taken aback. Miss Thane found that she had underestimated her opponent. Not a muscle quivered in Shield's face. He said immediately, This news should have been broken to you at a more suitable time, Thane. Spare your sister's blushes, I beg of you. I love it. He takes it in his stride, probably because he's actually thinking about marrying her anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I think by that point, well, we know you know who's going to get together. It so the the romance part of it's um, done, isn't it? But um, but it is a very sweet bit when they actually finally get together in the end, though. I like that. Oh, before we it's get to really that, though, sweet. There's one conversation I don't quite understand between them. Mm. Um, I would like your your views on this. So she's just about to go to bed and. Um... Yeah, so they're in the inn. Uh, he nodded and waited for her by the door, and when she seemed not to be coming, said, You do not mean to succeed from our counsels, I hope. She smiled. You are not used to be so civil. Fighting must have a mellowing effect upon you, I think. Have I been uncivil? he asked, looking at her with disconcerting seriousness. Well, perhaps not uncivil, she conceded, just disapproving. He followed her out of the room, and as they mounted the stairs, said, I wish you would rid yourself of this nonsensical notion that I disapprove of you. But do you not? inquired Miss Thane, turning her head. He stopped two stairs below her and stood looking up at her, something not quite a smile at the back of his eyes. Sometimes, he said. What, what, what is that that's not quite a smile at the back of his eyes? Why does he sometimes disapprove of her? What's going on there? Well, 
I don't, yeah, I don't, I'm just, I, I don't know. I think you don't read too much into it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is why we do this podcast. <laughs> I see. Um, I think it's just that, yeah, I don't know. I don't know whether more's, more's being made. Read that bit, read the last bit again. He stopped two stairs below her and stood looking up at her, something not quite a smile at the back of his eyes. Sometimes, he said. The thing about yeah. um, him stopping two stairs below her did remind me of the first time that he met her when she's coming down the stairs, he's just come into the inn. Mm-hmm. And he, he does seem a little bit like taken with her physically at that point. Like she is more in his style than Eustace yeah. was. Um, yeah. Um, I, I think I think we just it's just a moment between them, isn't it? It's a moment where there's um, an acknowledgement of, of a, a more serious intention Mm. and maybe um, a recognition that she is perhaps not exactly what he imagined in a partner like she she is she does do sometimes some things that he would disapprove of but that overall she's a woman that he wants yeah maybe. yeah i i know what you mean i'm not it's not it's not entirely clear why he should disapprove of her yeah yeah anyway mm. She doesn't really do anything wrong. I mean, I guess she, yeah. He doesn't want her interfering, though, does he? Yes, because... If women didn't really interfere with manly, uh, you know, detective work. To be fair, even in this day and age, if a guy said to me that there is a chance that you might get shot, beaten, murdered, (laughs) but because you're a lady, I'm going to give you a pass. I I would be tempted to take that pass. <laughs> Not gonna lie. Um, that reminds me. There was a bit in this that made me think of. Um, so there's a bit in this where Sit, um, Sit, um jumps over a fence or something, or jumps over the uh-huh. a stile or something like that, and it reminded me of Al jumping over that. Isn't it? That's how you knew that you loved Al or that you were going to be with Al forever because you saw him jump over a no no um, railing I, I made that up no you haven't entirely um so apparently my my mum knew that my dad was the man for her when she oh. saw him casually jump over a barrier um, oh okay but I understand it because I've also seen my partner jump over things athletically and I, I do find it attractive yeah <laughs> don't know what I just, about. just made me think of it because it um it, it yeah because obviously this is supposed to show his oh you know what he probably did manly ability it, was it when he jumped into the room to shoot out the candelabra no it was it was it, it might have been on the way to that yeah. it, it was a it was some sort of fence or something out, oh, okay. yeah outside but anyway yeah i liked that scene actually where he um mm. so ludovic thrusts himself into the priest hole which i admit made me giggle a few times um and then yeah, so well, he does that because Sir Tristram has provided the cover by bursting in, shooting out the candelabra so no one can see who he is. Then he gets into a right punch up. He loves a punch up. And we oh. know that Sarah Thane can throw a punch, so they're great together. Perfect match. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's just it's a proper exciting moment. Uh, I love the fact that, oh, who is it? Which is the one at the, at the window? Is it Abel? Yeah, Abel. Is at the window. And he's like up and down at the window like a jack-in-the-box. He's described as a jack-in-the-box at one point. It's like, hide, and he ducks down. And then, and then it's like, are you there? And he's, he's back up again. It's just really cute. Yeah. But then at the end of it, after, you know, punching everyone out, um, 
So Tristram has to go around the front of the building, like he hasn't been there five minutes ago, beating up the servants. Um, and kind of like, oh, I just heard shots as I was going past. What's what's going on? And uh, he's very cool under pressure. Yeah. He's not for me. He isn't Hugh Darrocott kind of cool. Like he's he's not the he's not omniscient like Justin. He's just like reasonably capable. Yeah, he's shrewd. He's smart, but he's not unbeatable. But I kind of like that about no. it. I, I, this group of people will feel quite normal to me. I think that's it. Yeah, it, they just, you know, you can. They've got they're quite simple characters, though, aren't they? They're quite simple characters, but but yeah, characters that we know, sort of thing. Yeah, um, familiar types of characters, and I think it's quite interesting the way they're. Uh, the way they're sort of set, set against each other in that their differences mm. are what describes their personality. So, so the um, the comparison between um, Tristan and Ludovic mm. um, about you know they're just I think that's the interesting the the bit about him shooting the candelabra. Mm. So he's because Ludovic is seen as this excellent marksman yeah. but you know so Tristan can do it mm. he just doesn't do it unnecessarily yeah it's, it's not a party trick for him yeah exactly and he he's very capable but, and but only would get into fights and brawls and mm. ri- and take risks where he absolutely needs to whereas um uh, Ludovic is obviously more that's just part of his lifestyle yeah I mean although so Tristram did feel pretty proud of himself for hitting that candelabra didn't he yeah, would be fair enough. Yeah, Let's and and I, I would I'd be proud of myself if I could do that as well. <laughs> I'd be proud of myself if I owned a candelabra. Yeah, <laughs> I've never felt the need to shoot a <laughs> candelabra. So. Okay. So, let us go to the lovely scene at the end. Um, Basil has been caught red-handed with the quizzing glass that was sitting on the mantelpiece all along or not all along but for quite a while Um, because it was hidden yeah the Tasman ring was hidden in the base of the quizzing glass which I remembered Um, I've read this book a few times Um, so yeah there weren't really any surprises in this one for me but um, it was still Mm -hmm. great Uh, so yeah Basil's given himself away admitted that he's got a talisman ring we know he's the murderer of Sir Matthew Plunkett Ludovic is off the hook he can resume his life or take up the title of Lord Lavenham Mary used to see all's good um, but while Basil Lavenham was being apprehended he um, basically punched um, Sarah Thane in the head I think maybe mm. a little bit accidentally but we're not excusing him because he's a murderer so he's definitely a bad man um, and and he knocks her out cold because Miss Thane then wakes up on the settle I might start calling my sofa a settle by the way <laughs> um, it just describes so perfectly what happens on it doesn't it <laughs> I settle for my average life um, yep so, <laughs> I just thought when you sit, you sit. Oh, <laughs> sorry, I, I got a little bit darker. Okay. <laughs> um, so she's worried that she's got. She wakes up and she's worried that she's got a black eye. Miss Thane says to Sir Tristram, 
Tell me at once, have I a black eye? She said. No, not yet. She gave a shriek. Not yet? Do you mean that I shall have one? I should think it highly probable, he said, a laugh in his voice. Bring me the heart's horn, begged Miss Thane in failing accents, and once more closing her eyes. Certainly, said Sir Tristram. Eustacey, fetch the heart's horn. She does not really want it, you know, explained Eustacey. She is jesting. Nevertheless, fetch it, said Sir Tristram. Here be you, Eustacey shrugged, and went away to look for it. Miss Thane opened her eyes again, and looked at Sir Tristram, with even more misgiving than before. Sarah, said Sir Tristram, I have a very important question to put to you. How many seasons have you spent at Ormax? Miss Thane gazed at him with an expression of outrage in her face, and said, Tristram, are you daring, actually daring, to choose this out of all other moments to make me an offer? Yes, replied Sir Tristram, I am. Why not? Miss Thane sat up. Have you no sense of romance, she demanded. I won't, no, I, I won't be proposed to with my hair falling down my back, a bandage round my head, and very likely a black eye as well. It is quite monstrous of you. He smiled. Indeed you will. You look delightfully. Will you marry me? I have wronged you, said Miss Thane, much moved. If you think I look delightfully at this present, you must be a great deal more romantic than I had supposed. It is a long time now since I have been able to look at you without thinking how very beautiful you are, said Sir Tristram simply. Oh, said Miss Thane, blushing. You forget yourself. Do pray recollect that you do not look for romance in marriage. Remember your previous disillusionment? This will never do. I see that I shall not easily be allowed to forget that nonsense, said Sir Tristram, taking her in his arms. Now be serious for one moment, Sarah. Will you marry me? To be honest with you, said Miss Thane, with the utmost gravity, I have been meaning to marry you these ten days and more. Oh, Aww. It's um, so... I really like that. Yeah, um, it is lovely. And also, he... Uh, she's not... She obviously knows she's going to marry him and all that, but she wasn't expecting him to be that sweet was and that is yeah. actually i think a bit of a surprise to her that he can be mm. romantic he's got it all and then i like at the end where uh eustace sees them together and she's like why are you marrying him you... so she mm -hmm. says um but sarah consider you're romantic and he is not romantic at all i know replied miss thane but i assure you i mean to come to an understanding with him before the knot is tied either i have his solemn promise to ride ventre terre to my deathbed or there will be no marriage it shall be included in the marriage vow, said Sir Tristram. Eustacey, looking from one to the other, made a discovery. Mon Dieu, it is not a marriage de convenience at all. You're in love. Enfin, she exclaimed. I love a bit, enfin. I think she said voyance at one point as well, and it just cast me back to Leonie, which always makes me happy. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's a love match. Oh, love, I like love. I like the fact we're not really bogged down in whatever that um, previous disappointing love situation was for Sir Tristram. It's like no. twice. We don't really care. It's not a big deal. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know how believable it is that he suffered a disillusionment, and it, it just doesn't strike me as the kind of bloke that would worry to, you know, be that affected by it. But then, not for that long. Yeah. Like when he was yeah. young, maybe, but then you take it on the chin and you get over it. Go on. But yeah, but then I'm thinking actually, you can get set in your ways, can't you? Like you, you get disappointed mm. by that and then you sort of set yourself a bit against marriage and women in general and then that just becomes your way of life and it becomes easier so i can sort of see that and actually i found it interesting reading this um just after the grand sophie 
because she's also kind of the older heroine, well-travelled, confident in herself. Um, and I think they've, they've got that in, in common. To, you know, that's kind of where the similarities end, I think. But um, there, there are a few little connections there. Yeah. I think I tend to like, I prefer the older, more sensible, like together heroines. Yeah, I think, yeah. Is that, is that because we always we always want to see ourselves in our, in heroines? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I'm not sure how capable or sensible I am, but... We had a text conversation about grammar earlier today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we did. we're definitely not in the young romantic kind of category of heroine these days, are we? No. I have nothing else to say on a matter other than it's a good read. It's a good read, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, what are we going to read next? Hmm. It's my choice, isn't it? It's your choice. Your turn. I don't know what I want. Like, I genuinely don't know what I want. I'm not even pretending. I don't know what I want. I feel like, hmm, I want one that I haven't read for a long time, so I don't remember it. Okay. Um. Let's have, yeah. And okay. we've had a, oh, 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 it's my choice, missus. Back off. Okay, sorry. I was going to give you some suggestions. <laughs> no, I've got the list of books in front of me, don't worry. Oh, sorry. Um, okay, so I'm thinking not an adventure one because we've had quite a few yeah. adventure ones in a row now. So we'll go more, more, more romance. Um, okay, I am going to suggest Sprig Muslin. Okay. Oh, you sound like you don't approve. Yeah. Oh, I've just changed my mind. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Sprig Muslin, in a future date, The Convenient Marriage. The Convenient Marriage. Yeah, jobs are good. Okay. Decision made, we're going with that. Okay. Okay. We usually do this kind of off air, so to speak, don't we? So I'm so sorry that you've had to listen to our thought processes there. Um, thanks, <laughs> thanks for bearing with painful, us. Painful, painful <laughs> thought processes. Yeah. So just again, say thank you for listening. Um, and thank you for the people who said some really, really delightful things about us um, and our podcast. Well, not about us, about our podcast um, in the Georgia Hayer Facebook group, for example, which is an amazing group. If you're not part of that group, you really should join it because yeah. always where all the Hayer discussions kick off. Lovely people, lovely discussions, mostly civil. I mean, especially Christine. Yeah, who is our favourite person. Yeah, Christine said the nicest things about this podcast and, well, she's one of the gang now. We love her. It made us very happy, didn't it? It did. Um, so, yes, please do rate and review us if you haven't yet. Um, we will be... <laughs> rate and review. <laughs> oh, I'm going to drop the, I'm gonna drop the proper <laughs> jingle in now. Don't you worry. <laughs> okay. I don't need to do it the same every time. That's good because I don't think I remember it. <laughs> rate and review. Rate and review. Well, that's all from us. Next time we'll be talking about The Convenient Marriage. We hope you join us. It's bye from us. Bye. Bye.